Hey, thanks for checking out this sermon. It's designed to help you take your next step with Jesus. And if you haven't been able to make it to one of our campuses and participate in the time of giving, you could do so online through our website or by texting to give so that you can continue to participate in the mission that God has given us. We hope that God speaks to you through this sermon. begin today by asking you all a question. Do you think power is good or is it bad? Is power good or is power bad? On all of our campuses, those watching online, joining us in the prisons, do you think power is a good thing or is it a bad thing? Now, this is a question I had to wrestle with a few years ago when a couple of our family friends asked my wife Amanda and I to go on a vacation with them. And they said, don't book your flights, we're going to book your flights. And the reason they wanted us to book our flights with them is because my friend has the most elite status that any airline has to offer. And so they're like, you're gonna travel with us. And we said, fantastic, that sounds, that sounds great. So we drove to their house and, and they, they took us to the airport. And when we got to the airport, we, we went to this special entrance that I didn't know existed. And we walked in and it's what I imagine entering heaven to be like one day. And, St. Peter like took our IDs and luggage and, and, and escorted us through this, se- this secret door that got us through security uh, in no time at all, which, which if you've traveled and had to go through security, you know that getting through security quickly is a great thing. So we get through security and before we know it, we're at the gate. And when we get to the gate, the people there say, hey, just go ahead and board the plane. And I said, oh, you guys haven't started boarding yet. And they said, no, 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 you're first class. You can do whatever you want. And I was like, oh, this is... Wow, thank you, this is incredible. So we get on the plane and, and my friend, no joke, has his own personal flight attendant when he travels. It's, it's unreal. Like I, I got on this airplane and I've never been served like I was served on this trip. Like the, the plane took off and they gave us the best meal I've ever eaten on an airplane, which I didn't know any, anything good could be served on an airplane until this trip. They gave us this chocolate chip cookie that I think Jesus himself created. And it was unreal. The, the next week, the next week I was traveling for a, a work trip after we got back from vacation and, and I was traveling like I normally travel, like waiting in lines, eating one bag of free peanuts and getting looked at weird when I ask for an extra bag and uh, drinking a free soda and, and that's it. And I texted my friend and said, you have forever ruined flying for me. Like I can't do this anymore. But, but here's the deal. Because of the way I was served, I, I felt like I was a super important person. Like I had the power. But behind me, 
there were a bunch of people who were traveling like I normally travel, fighting for the armrest, making sure you put it there early so that they know it's yours, <laughs> putting your knees forward far enough so the person in front of you doesn't recline back too far, all the things we all, we all do when we fly. Um, now, at a certain level, at a certain level, I loved the power I was given to, to get whatever I wanted whenever I wanted it as I flew on this plane. But at another level, I didn't really like what I was feeling because I was given something that I knew I didn't deserve. I was no better than anyone that was sitting behind me, yet I was given importance and value. To be completely honest with you, I felt powerful. And I think power feels good, at least when I've experienced power. Power feels good. But just because power feels good, does it make it good? Is power good or is power bad? Well, the Apostle Paul had some interesting things to say about power. Before he met Jesus, he was a man who had a significant amount of influence and authority in Judaism as a high-ranking official. He was someone who exerted his will so much so that at some point he ended up starting murder, started to murder and torture Christians because he believed that their way wasn't the right way. And he was given a significant amount of influence and authority. But then one day he had an incredible encounter with Jesus and he surrendered his influence and authority over followers of Jesus's way and became a follower of Jesus's way himself. He would go on to write a majority of the New Testament. And in his letter to the Christians in Philippi, he wrote this about his new life in Christ. He said, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I, I, I was once a pretty high ranking official. I had power and authority. I had everything I could possibly want, but I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And here's why I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, the word for strength that Paul writes here is the Greek word endumanao. And what that means, what this Greek word means is to give power to, to give power to. So Paul is saying that Christ empowers him. He says, I can do all this. I can be content in every situation, regardless of how much authority or power or material possessions or, or whatever that I have because of the power given to me by Jesus Christ. You see, Paul knew something that every early Christian had experienced. When you are raised to life in Christ, you are empowered by the God of the universe. Now, in the first century, this is a huge deal. And it's something that was unique and exclusive to Christianity because in every other major religion of the time, if you were powerful or prosperous, it meant that the gods favored you. But if you were poor or lacking, it meant that you had done something wrong by the gods and they were punishing you. Power was only reserved for the elite in the first century. But when Jesus comes on the scene, he completely flips the script. He gives he gives. He, he, he gives dignity to women in the first century in a way that they had never seen before. He elevated the status of women. And, and if you're a woman and if you read anything about Jesus Christ, I, mean, I would encourage you to look and see how Jesus empowered women unlike any way that maybe we even see today. 
I mean, it's phenomenal what he does. Not only that, but he, he elevates the status of the poor and the oppressed. He gave them importance, those that were, were sick and, and those without any status or significance or standing. Jesus gave power to all people. He loved and empowered everyone. So this was huge in the first century. No one had seen this before. But here's the other crazy thing about the Christian faith. Not only was that true for the first century, it's true for us. If you have been raised to life in Christ, then Jesus empowers you. So I think the question I asked earlier, is power good or bad, isn't the right question, regardless of how I felt on the airplane that day. See, the right question, the question that, that we have to ask when we realize the power we receive from the living Christ is this. What will you do with the power given to you? What will you do with the power given to you? And right before Jesus would die a gruesome and terrible death on the cross, he not only communicated his desire for the answer to this question, but he exemplified the answer to this question. And we see this in John chapter 13. Go ahead and open your Bibles or your Bible apps to John chapter 13. John is the fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. After John is Acts and Romans. So if you get to Acts and Romans, you've gone too far. Flip back on your Bibles or your Bible apps. John 13, verse one. Here's what we read. It was just before the Passover festival. Now, Passover was when the Jewish people celebrate the night that the angel of death passed over their homes. I think it's Exodus 12 that you can read about that in. Um, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. And this is like the setup to the next part of Jesus' story. As he heads towards his crucifixion and resurrection, this is like the, the moment and, and the time that begins to set all this up. And so he's sitting around eating dinner with his disciples. Verse two, the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Many of us know this about Judas. He's the guy that kissed Jesus on the cheek and completely betrayed him had him arrested and, and all that. And, and then here's what we read next. This is such an interesting verse in the middle of this story that John shares with it. And I'm gonna have, have him put it, put it up on the screen because I think it's important. Verse three starts like this. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power. This is such an interesting setup to the next part of this story and this, this encounter that the disciples had with Jesus. But let me explain something real quick before we get there because we, we can't miss this. As these disciples are eating dinner, they're sitting around eating dinner and Jesus kind of looks around and it's not like he had this realization because he, he's, he's God, like he knows everything. But he looks around and he goes, you know what? I have all the power. My father has put all things under my power. So Jesus knows that he is the most powerful person in the room. But we know, and he knew, that not only was Jesus the most powerful person in the room, he was the most powerful person in the city. He was the most powerful person in the country. He was the most powerful person in the world. So, so let's think about this. When you, when you look around and you see that you're the most powerful person in the room, you're the most powerful person anywhere, you're the most powerful person any place at any point in, in, in history, what do you do when you sit around and you see those that have been following you for the last few years, those that you've been investing in, you've been caring for, 
and you realize that you have the most power, you're about to go die, you've got one of these guys is gonna betray you, what do you do? How do you respond to that power that you know you have? Well, here's what Jesus said. Look at verse four. So he knew he had all the, father, he knew he had all the, all the power because the father put all things under him. So he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing, the robe that symbolized that he was a rabbi, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. Now, as soon as Jesus did this, I guarantee you could have heard a pin drop in that room. As soon as Jesus took off that robe and wrapped that towel around his waist, I imagine that some of the disciples went, dang it, I should have done this. Some of the other disciples probably thought, oh, we should have hired somebody to do this. And for sure, one of the disciples said, not a chance am I gonna let Jesus do this. Here's what this is. Verse five, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him the most powerful person, not only in the room, not only in the city, not only in the country, but in the entire world, at any point in history, chose to serve those who followed him. He exercised his power through serving. See, in this moment, those disciples realized what I realized on the plane that day, that I got to sit in first class when I got the the best service I've ever received in my life. And that's this, we empower others when we serve others. The disciples knew the the power and authority that Jesus had, and this guy is on his hands and knees, washing their feet. Just imagine how empowered they felt in that moment. Now, I just mentioned the, the airplane thing again, and I feel like I'm feeling a little convicted and I have to come clean on something. I think the reason that I felt a little bit guilty about the fact that I was sitting in first class and, I, and there were people behind me in, in like the normal people seats uh, is because my friend only got one upgrade. And so, so, and I don't want you to think I'm a jerk or something. This is just the way it worked out. <laughs> but my wife and his wife had to sit back <laughs> and we were in first class, so... But it was okay, it was okay. Like, don't, don't get all judgy. Uh, we, we sent back a couple of those cookies to our wives and like Amanda started talking to me again like four hours later. We were, it was great. It was, worked out really well. Okay, I felt, felt a little convicted that I wasn't sharing that. So uh, back to serving, something I'm always really great at, obviously. So, Okay, what, what Jesus does here, what Jesus does here, when he gets down and he washes the disciples' feet, is one of the greatest acts of serving that anyone could do in that day. Because in the Jewish culture, cleanliness is literally next to godliness. I don't know if your, your mom or dad said that to you growing up. My mom said it, I think, like three times a day. Cleanliness is next to godliness. But in Jewish culture, this is, this is literally the case. Because the cleaner you were, the closer to God you were. So if that's the culture, and remember, Jesus is a Jewish rabbi, so cleanliness is super important. This guy gets down on his hands and knees 
and washes the feet of people who are walking around this dirty, grimy, just their feet had to be so, ugh. And he gets down, he starts washing their feet. Like there is, there is not a, a more, uh, I don't even know the word. This is such a big way that Jesus served his disciples. He got down and he got his hands dirty. He washed their feet. This is what the most powerful person in the room chose to do. Look what happens next, verse six. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. And Peter said, I don't care, no. You shall never wash my feet. We see how that worked out for Peter over the next few verses as Jesus washes his feet. Then get to verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, all the disciples' feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. It's, it's interesting what Jesus does here. Like initially, he took off the robe that symbolizes his, his place as, as a rabbi. He puts on the towel. Like, I'm gonna put my power aside to serve you, but don't forget, don't forget my power. Look what Jesus says next. He asks his disciples after he returns to his place, do you understand what I have done for you? And they were like, you just told, you literally just told Peter we don't understand, so no. What do you got? So Jesus said, you, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. You aren't wrong when you give me these positions of title and authority, uh, or th these titles of, of power and authority, but... Verse 14, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, I've done this, I've shown you, you this, here's what you do. You also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus says, if, you've, if, you, if you're ever given any power, position, or status, this is what you should do with your power. I've set the example for you. You see, in this moment, Jesus gives every follower of his that's in the room eating dinner with him and every follower that ever is to come what we are to do with the power given to us. You see, actually, I wanna, I wanna take a moment and just ask you a couple questions real quick. And this might seem like it's out in left field, out of left field, but how many of you guys are fast food restaurant fans? Like, right, it's okay. You judge me about the first class thing. I'm not gonna judge you. <laughs> raise, your, raise your hand, yeah? Shout out some of your, what are some of your favorite fast food restaurants? In and out, in and out, yeah. In and, is in and out really fast food though? Like that double double takes at least an hour and a half to get. <laughs> but they've got the Bible verses on the bottom of the cup, so we're fine, like I don't. Who's, who's more of a five guys person than In-N-Out? I don't know if, I might have another church for you. Uh, <laughs> just kidding, we love that you're here. Um, what else, what other fast food restaurants we got? What, what, I can't, Taco Bell. We have counseling classes here at Cornerstone. We'll help you, are you okay? <laughs> I love Taco Bell. I'm just kidding. That cheesy gordita crunch. Mm. Uh, 
I heard, okay, earlier I heard this and I had to, I had to look past it because I think it was the most enthusiasm I've heard about anything that anyone has said over the last three services. Someone over here shouted Chick-fil-A. And you know, here's the deal, you know you're at a church when someone shouts Chick-fil-A, like Chick-fil-A! Like they are, it's like God put it on their heart to share Chick-fil-A. I, man, Chick-fil-A is so, so good. I, I, I feel like just even hearing that, like I, you guys wanna go today? Oh wait, it's Sunday, so we can't go to Chick-fil-A. That's how I feel right now. Yeah, true at Catholic, you know what? I, don't, I get it, like Christian organization, you know, you're a Christian, so you're gonna give your employees Sunday off. We're a Christian organization, we're open on Sundays, I don't see what the problem is. Like open up your restaurant. Here's the deal, what, what do you guys, what, what is Chick-fil-A known for? Yes, they're chicken sandwiches, but what are they known for? Their service, right? Someone said milkshakes. Yes, they're milkshakes too. I get it. Their service. Like you walk into a Chick-fil-A and, and you feel like the most important person in the world, right? Like as soon as you walk in, this 16-year-old that somehow developed a southern accent even though they live in Pleasanton, California, <laughs> like just, it's just like, I, like they care in a, in a different way. Like, like it's just unreal. This is what they are known for. They are known for their service. Everyone knows this about Chick-fil-A, that they serve people well. Now, as I was thinking about Chick-fil-A specifically, as I read, I think about Chick-fil-A a lot anyway, but, but I was thinking about Chick-fil-A as I read this because, because what Jesus says here, because of what Jesus says here, what is true of Chick-fil-A should be true for every follower of Jesus Christ, that we would be known for how we serve, that we would be known for how we serve others. This is the example that Jesus puts before us. Unfortunately, I think too often followers of Jesus are known more for what we are against than what we are for. See, this is what Jesus says we need to be known for. If you're my follower, I have set the example for you. Empower others with the power I have given to you. Verse 16. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a, is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, now that you've heard me say these things, now that you've seen me show you these things, you will be blessed if you talk about them with your friends. No, you will be blessed if you do them. See, if we each ask ourselves the question, what will you do with the power given to you? And we answer the way Jesus answers in this story. Jesus says, you will be blessed. But, but here's what we know about blessing, is that when we, when we receive the blessing from God and we put his blessing into action like this, the whole world ends up being blessed, or at least the people we interact with, because when we leverage the power we have received from Christ to benefit the less powerful, blessing ensues. You know, as I've, as I've processed this, I think that, that question, what will you do with the power given to you, is a great question. Like, if you don't hear anything else today and you just process that and what that means for you in every place in your life, then I think that'll be a good day for you. But in light of our Next Step series and some of the things that we're processing together as a church and as a leader within this church, there were a few things that I felt like, you know what, there's some encouragements I need to give to our church when it comes to the power that we've received from Jesus Christ. 
So, so here's the deal. I believe that there are three ways we can use our power the way that Jesus d- desires. So because of the power we have been given by Jesus, I want to make sure we're all aware that we have been empowered to pray. And I know this sounds like a church answer, but I hope that we as a church never forget the power that comes from asking the most powerful being in the universe to intervene on our behalf or someone else's behalf. So I'd encourage you to pray for the people in your community. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for this church. See, when we read these scriptures... We see example after example after example of God doing some incredible things because people had the courage to step out in faith and pray for God to act and move in their communities. And, and here's the deal. I fully believe that if God did it in here, he can do it here. Like I 100% believe that Jesus can, can raise dead people back to life. I 100% believe that God can repair the fabric of the East Bay. I 100% believe that Jesus can take broken things and make them beautiful. That he's a God of restoration, of love, of compassion, of mercy, of grace. I mean, this is the same God who turned a bloodstained cross into an empty tomb. So you better believe it won't be the last time that he finds victory in the midst of tragedy including the circumstances we or our neighbors or those in our community come up against. But we have to have the courage to ask. We've been empowered by the living God to talk to the living God. I mean, what a cool opportunity that I hope we take advantage of. The second thing is that, is that we've been empowered to pray, but we've also been empowered to, uh, empowered to provide. And Pastor Steve talked about this a little bit last week in light of our finances, so I don't want to belabor this too much, but, but I think this applies to this context as well. Um, because usually, usually those who are rich have power. And I think when Paul writes to Timothy and commands them to be rich in good deeds, he is commanding people to not just have wealth, but to use that wealth to do good. In the passage that I just referenced, Paul doesn't say, hey, command those who are rich. He says, command them to be rich. There is a major difference between are rich and be rich. And I hope that we are using the power given to us to be rich in the community that we find ourselves in. Okay, the last one, the one that I wanna spend the most amount of time in because I think it's super applicable to where we're at today. Uh, We have been empowered to pray, we've been empowered to provide, but we've also been empowered to participate. And when I say participate, I mean physically participate, to get our hands dirty and wash some feet. And this is the big one for us today the one that I wanna spend the most time on. And while this is true in every area of our lives, I mean, we should be following Jesus' example to empower others in our family, in our workplace, in our neighborhood, but we cannot miss the significant impact that comes when we empower others through the local church. This is so true right here in this context. And as the campus pastor of the Livermore campus, I don't want us to miss this. See, I want to focus our time here today because this is something that I have witnessed and something I feel like I I just have to talk with our Cornerstone family about. So with that said, if you don't follow Jesus Christ and you're here today, I'm so glad you're here and you get to pick and choose from everything I say from here on out. You are not held accountable to what I'm about to say. This is for those of, of us that are here that have chosen to follow Jesus with our life. Also, if you're here from another church or you're hopping around to different churches, you're not accountable to this either. But I would encourage you to find a church to plug in because your church needs your gifts in their body. But to those of us who do call Cornerstone home and those of us who follow Jesus Christ, this is for us. So I hope we pay attention. 
Because here's the deal. I have seen so many people's lives change. I've seen people go from death to life, not just because of a sermon or a song we sang or something that our, that our church staff put on, but I have seen people's lives changed. I have seen people's lives get saved because someone who isn't part of this church staff used their power given to them by Jesus to serve someone else who walked through the doors of this church. I mean, people who have chosen to get their hands dirty at this church have changed lives. Let me just tell you a few of those things real quick. Everything from being in a class with kids so that the parents who drop their kids off feel safe to the high school community group leader that goes to their high school students' gymnastics meet. Have you ever been to a high school gymnastics meet? Those things are like 12 hours long. They are not fun. Someone who hooed over here. You must be a gymnast. I, I was too, you can tell. But, um, but I mean, they, they love it. That, those, those community group leaders love going and being a part of those, those kids' lives. And, and, I mean, we even have uh, like production volunteers. This whole weekend, you, don't, you guys don't know this and you would never know this, but this whole weekend is being run by volunteers. We don't have a paid production person on staff right now that is running this weekend. Like they are, they're doing it. Like the people filming this service, that is being sent to places all over the, the world. No joke, last week I had a guy from, from Japan email me and say, hey, I just wanna say thank you so much for the ministry at Cornerstone Fellowship. It's helping me and my community grow closer to Jesus. He lives in Japan. Like, yes, yeah, isn't that awesome? The, the reason that happens though is because there's volunteers that are running all of these cameras and doing all the things that I don't even know what, how it works and they're making it happen. I mean, we have, we have volunteers that set up rooms for divorce care uh, groups that meet here on campus that are led by volunteers. We have volunteers that set up donuts and bagels every Sunday morning because we know that half of you wouldn't be here if we didn't have donuts and bagels <laughs> on a Sunday morning. <laughs> Seriously, nothing happens here. Nothing happens at this church without people who have chosen to use the power Jesus has given them in some, uh, to help others in some way, shape, or form. If your life... Pay attention to this. If your life has been impacted at all through this church, it's because someone who doesn't get paid by this church chose to wash your feet, to serve you. And I'm guessing you didn't even know it. I mean, think about it. Some of you wouldn't even be sitting here right now if you didn't trust the stranger that you dropped your kids off with an hour ago. I mean, think about this. And you should trust them. They are incredible volunteers. I, I, my son comes back from those kids' classes and is just so fired up about everything. But you wouldn't be able to sit here if they weren't doing what they're doing right now. Churches don't grow without awesome volunteer kids' teams because parent, if parents don't feel safe, they don't come. That's just the way it is. That's the truth. We have people doing that right now as we speak. And this is so true of every area of our church. Like this week, someone from our guest services uh, greeter team emailed me and said, I do what I do from a place of gratitude. I love my church, the people, my fellow volunteers. Because I remember my first week at this church. So unsure of where to go, where my children would be, where anything was. But God placed a friendly face at the door. She greeted me and offered to walk me through checking my children in and showed me where the auditorium was. She helped me to feel comfortable and now I want to be that person to someone else. Like what this volunteer is saying is I was blessed and now I wanna be a blessing in return. And the awesome and incredible thing about her response to being blessed by someone else, by someone else washing her feet, by someone else serving her is that she chose to be a blessing back and didn't think of any reasons why she couldn't do it. And you guys, I know that there's a lot of good reasons to not serve in this church. I hear 
them all the time. But I wanna ask you, I'm not gonna tell you to do anything today, but I wanna ask you to think about how you are or are not being a blessing to other people in this church who have probably been a blessing to you. You know, a few of the biggest reasons I hear from folks about why they can't serve in church, it usually revolves around this idea of I'm not enough. I'm not enough. Like, like they'll say, hey, Steve, I'm, I'm not qualified enough. I'm not qualified enough. If, if we read, and let me just say this to this one. If you read Acts chapter four, you'll read about Peter and John and some incredible power that they were, they were displaying. And the people that were watching what Peter and John were doing looked at them and said, this is so crazy that these unschooled, ordinary men are doing this. That word ordinary that we read in the Greek is the Greek word idiote. Do you know what English word we get from that Greek word? These guys looked at, these people looked at Peter and John and went, look at these idiots. Look at what they're doing. Here's the deal. Here's what I've realized about being empowered by Jesus. If those idiots can do it, so can this idiot and so can you. And I'm not calling you an idiot. I'm calling me an idiot. But you are more than qualified. You are more than qualified to serve in this church because each of us has a part to play in this church. You have been equipped to, to, you have been given gifts to use in this church. And if you don't know what your gifts are, we'll help you figure that out. You actually don't even need to tell us what your gifts are to serve in this church. Like, like we'll just say start serving because those gifts will come through. I mean, let's put it like this. Do you think Steph Curry has to tell people that he's a good shooter? No, he just shoots and people go, wow, you're really good at that. You should do that. And so he does. His gifts come through in an amazing way unless it's the last nine seconds of game six in the finals, right? <laughs> too soon? A little too soon? Yeah, must be tough for Warriors fans. You've only won three championships in the last five years. Greedy. Um, no, I know I did just lose some of you. So come on, come on back. I'm sorry if I hurt you or caused you to be angry. Take a deep breath and let's learn about Jesus. Okay, when it comes to your gifts, you guys, here's, here's the deal. I promise we'll help you figure that out. That's why we have our, our What's My Fit classes, a class designed to specifically help you figure out your gifts and how you can use them in your church. You know, another reason I hear from folks, they, they say, I'm not, I'm not qualified enough. They also say, I'm not available enough. I don't have enough time and I get it. But here's something that someone said to me and my wife just a couple months ago that really caused us to check ourselves. They said, if you've given your life to Christ, except for your time, then you haven't given your life to Christ. And we went, ugh. Because we looked at our schedule and we started to look at what we've given our lives to. And we, we decided that we had to kind of figure that out and, and surrender that over to Jesus in a different way. And I'd encourage you to do the same thing. Take a look at your schedule and go, hey, what does this say about what I've given my life to? What does this say about how I'm using the power that's been given to me? You know, for me, I'm so glad Nate Tibbs, John Hine, and Donnie Kirchmeyer spent time investing and volunteering in my life because if they hadn't, I don't think I'd be here right now. And I'm not just saying like, I don't think I'd be here like preaching. I don't think I'd be alive. Those guys saved my life when I was at my lowest. And this is something that's been going on since the beginning of Christianity. You, you look back at first century Christians and you'll see that people used their power to save lives, especially in the Roman Empire where, where the Romans, if they had a child that they didn't want, if they had an unwanted child, they would take that baby and drop that baby off at the river. And what they would say is they were leaving that baby to its fate. But here's the cool thing about following Jesus is that that baby's fate 
was to be raised in a Christian home in the first century because first century Christians were coming by and picking up all these Roman babies and raising them as their own because this is what they believed Jesus commanded them to do. It took time, energy, resource. It took an extreme exhibit of their power that they've been given by Jesus to love babies that weren't their own babies and accept them as if they were their own. But it's what they believed Jesus commanded them to do, so they did it. Okay, the last reason that people, people say to me that when it comes around this idea of not being enough is they say, you know what, I'm, I'm not needed enough. And, I, and I, this is the one I hear more than anything else at this church. People walk into this building and they go, you guys are doing all right. Yeah, I mean, we got donuts and bagels out. The place looks pretty clean. My kids are taken care of. You got some awesome student ministry things going on. Man, I, we, we, we love this place. Thanks for creating this for us to come and sit and enjoy. You know, look up here. Two weeks ago, I went to, I, t- I think I told you guys, most of you guys, that I, I went to Peru with Compassion International with Pastor Steve and, and Pastor Billy. And the week that I went to Peru was the craziest week for my wife. She works at Las Positas and it was commencement week. And so I think she put in a 60 or 70 hour week that week, like just worked so hard. But I was out of town. So she also had to figure out what to do with our son. Um, She had to get him to school, get him picked up from school, um, had some way to get him taken care of while she was at work because I was gone. So I couldn't do any of those things. And she did, like she nailed it. Not only that, but when I got home from Peru, I walked into our house and our house was immaculate. Like it was, it was cleaner than it normally is, probably because I was gone. But, but it, was, it looked so good. Now imagine if I walked into the house from my trip, getting back from a week in Peru, and I walked in and I looked around and I saw how clean the house was and I said, hey, babe, you are killing it. Like, you're doing so good at at all of this. Like, you're doing a great job caring for our house and building our home. I don't think you need me that much. So so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna come, I'm gonna eat dinner. I'm gonna gonna hang out with you and Jericho and just do the things that I wanna do. But if it comes to any chores or anything like that, I'm gonna go hang out with my friends and you can just take care of it because you're doing such a good job of it. What kind of marriage do you think I'd have? Yeah, women up front are like, terrible. It has to be a miserable relationship. It would it would, because, because my wife trusts me to partner with her in building and strengthening our marriage and our family and our home. You see, the Bible describes the relationship between Jesus and the church as the church being the bride of Christ. And in that marriage, just like me in my marriage, we each need to do our part. Now, here's the deal, and I'm just gonna be completely honest with you guys today. That sounds like I'm not normally completely honest. I'm gonna continue to be completely honest. We'll, we'll get it done without you. We'll get it done without you. I mean, we have to. If you don't step up and serve in this church, I mean, we care way too much about you and about the people sitting around you to not do what we do week in and week out. But I believe, and I say this unapologetically, that you will not be what you could be without serving in the local church. And we will not be what we could be without you. I believe that so much because I've seen it happen in so many different ways at so many different times that I fully believe that we each need the local church to help us develop our gifts and step into what God's next big thing is for each of us. On top of that, we don't have the people that have been gifted with the unique individual uh, uh, giftings that you have been equipped with. 
So we do need you. No one else can do what you specifically have been designed to do. So we need you in this church. You have, you have been equipped to serve a vital role right here. See, for all the ways that we feel like we're not enough, we have to understand that the power Jesus gives us is more than enough to take our next step with him. And I'll close with this. When my, when my dad was, uh, was growing up, his parents thought it would be a good idea to adopt a Latin Kings gang member and bring him into their home. He was a teenager. My dad was a teenager. They were about the same age. And my grandparents said, we're gonna do this. We're gonna take this kid in from Chicago. They were in this small town in Northern Indiana. And they brought this teenage boy that was a Latin Kings gang member named Angelo into their home. And Angelo was a rough dude. And my dad was not. So anytime there was a conflict, my dad got beat up pretty good. You know, Angelo hated my dad. He hated my, my grandparents. He hated his new living arrangement. He couldn't stand it. But my grandparents and their family did not change the way they lived their lives. They lived a life of service. I mean, I still hear stories from my grandfather every time I talk to him about how he's, eight, he's 80 years old. He just turned 80 like last week. And he's out serving his neighbors. He, he tells me about how many different places he's serving within his church because he just loves those communities so much. And he loves living a life of service. It's what him and his family have always done. They've used their power to empower others. And Angelo can attest to this firsthand. You see, over time, Angelo couldn't resist this different way of living. Sure, there were still moments of like tough love and discipline. A couple of times, Angelo got arrested and my, the sheriff would call my grandfather and my grandfather was like, you know what, why don't you keep him overnight? He needs, he needs to sleep somewhere else tonight. He had those moments, but even though there were those moments, there was still a very consistent theme of love and service given to Angelo from my grandparents. So much so that it changed his life. And today, Angelo, who still lives in Northern Indiana, just like a couple blocks away from my grandparents' house. He travels from church to church every single weekend. Mind you, this is the same dude who once almost flunked out of high school for refusing to give a speech in his speech class. He now travels from church to church giving his testimony about how Jesus saved his life. And it, yeah, we can give it up. I mean, it's... Every time we do a family reunion, I get to give Angelo a big hug and it's just like, you've lived such a different life than I've lived. But you're, at, you're, you're, you're where you are now because my grandparents served you the same way they've served any of us and any people they ever come in contact with. And I realized it wasn't a sermon, it wasn't a song, it wasn't some like Instagram verse that someone posted that changed Angelo's life but rather it was people who chose to empower him through the power that they've received from Jesus Christ to serve him that saved his life. And this is what we've all been called into, to get our hands dirty in ways that are seen and ways that are unseen in our community, in our neighborhood, in our workplace, with our family, but most definitely also our local church to use our power to serve. It's the example that Jesus gave to us. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. This is what he did. This is what the most powerful person ever, this is how the most powerful person ever chose to use his power. So again, I ask you, what will you do with the power given to you?
I want to take a quick minute. Please don't go anywhere. I have one more minute, and then uh, we'll, we'll head out head out after that, but I want to make sure we go over something before we leave today. You were given these two cards as you walked in. I think one of them was on your seat and one of them was handed to you. Take a look at this one real quick, which if we're being serious, I know you guys read this when I got boring uh, today, so, so that's fine. I get it. But, but this is a menu card, which now that I say menu card makes me want to go to Chick-fil-A and I still can't because it's Sunday. But this is a list of our ministries and ministry roles that we have the biggest areas of need in within this church, areas that we think will have great impact. And after you read through this, I want to encourage you to fill this out with your name and the best way to get a hold of you, along with the ministry and which role that you'd be interested in serving in. Because the church needs you. We need your gifts in one of these spots to advance the kingdom of God right here in Livermore, Pleasanton, Dublin, Tracy, Mountain House, wherever people are. People are coming from all over the place. God's got big plans for our church and I hope you take the time to fill this out. If you don't know what area you wanna serve in but you do know you wanna serve, just write your name in, in your phone or email or maybe even just say this one interests me the most and you can pop these in any of these boxes that are around the courtyard and I wanna encourage you, do not leave this room. If you're interested in serving, do not leave this room until you fill this out. Your kids are fine. Your kids are doing great because we have awesome volunteers that are watching them and teaching them about Jesus right now. Actually, can we just say thank you to all the incredible volunteers that make church happen here? Hey, no, no joke, I thought about doing one of those weekends. I've seen some other churches do this where they do one of those weekends where they, where they say, we're gonna give all the volunteers a weekend off and we're just gonna have our paid staff do everything. I was like, we couldn't do, no. It would be a train wreck. So, so we're, we're gonna do this, but literally this wouldn't happen if it weren't for volunteers. So, um, so again, if, if you're interested, fill this out, pop it in one of the, one of the boxes. If you wanna talk to someone, every single one of our ministries is gonna be represented in the Connect Center today. So if you wanna talk to someone, go to the Connect Center and have a conversation with them. They'd love to chat with you. Um, if you're watching online right now, go to this link, check that out. We'd love to have you serve as well. But, uh, but guys, today we get to choose, like so many have chosen here at Cornerstone, to take a step forward and be a blessing to others as we receive the blessing of God, to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us for his glory. God's going to do some incredible things right here in the East Bay. He is doing some incredible things in the East Bay, but I, I believe it takes all of us. And we all have to move forward with this mission from Jesus to serve, to wash people's feet, to get our hands dirty. So that's what I'm asking us to do today. I hope you can take that step. Let me pray over you. And then again, stay here, fill out those cards, give yourselves a little time. And uh, yeah, we'll get out of here after that. God, what a, what a cool moment that we get to have together just to sit and enjoy. And, and the, only, the reason we get to do this is because there are volunteers, people that you have called and commissioned to do some incredible things right here in the local church, uh, just to bring your word to the forefront, Father. Thank you for those people that have chosen to serve. Thank you for the people that chose to serve in my life. I mean, the reason that I'm alive, breathing, talking, speaking right now is because people believed in what you said we should do with our gifts, what you said we should do with our time, what you said we should do with our energy, God. So, so thank you for those people, God. And I ask that you give anyone here who's, who's been, been maybe kind of holding off for a little while to serve in this church, that you give them the courage to step forward today and into, into a next step with you. God, we love you, we praise you. We, we are always so thankful, regardless of what we're talking about, to have the opportunity to gather as a, as a group of people that get to learn about the most powerful being that has and ever will exist. We adore you and we're grateful for the power you give us 
so that more people can be uh, just loved and cared for by you. Father, we, we thank you for today and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys, our, thank you, thank you. Our prayer team's gonna be up here. Go to the Connect Center, fill out those cards. I love you guys so much. Have a great week. We'll see you next weekend.